raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favourite things. John Deeks is today's guest on Favourites, a man I like to call a mate. Uh, I've known John for a few years now, and uh, and we get along like a house on fire. So it's good to catch up with John Deeks. How are you, Deeksy? Who are you? <laughs> no, it's great this, to talk to you, mate. This call cannot be connected. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're breaking up. No, it's great to talk to you, Simon, and thank you very much indeed for giving me the opportunity to get on and talk about my favourite subject. Uh, yourself, yes. <laughs> oh, aren't we all wonderfully egotistical people in this industry? <laughs> We're in fine company. Oh, so, so where does the John Deeks story start? And I know you've told me a thousand times over the journey, but I want to hear it all again. When was Do you want the five minute, the ten minute, the fifteen, or the thirty minute version? Oh, let's go the fifteen, and uh, because then we've got time for some favourites at the end, which is sort of the point of this whole thing. Well, I was born as a young child in uh, Eastern Kilda and um, grew up, uh, went to you Ripley was, State. You, Hang on, I'm just starting. I, I, no, but I had a joke about being born. I'll go ahead. Yes. Uh, you were so tired from the move you couldn't walk for a year. That's very good. Anyway, back to me. Um, <laughs> I, oh, it can be cruel, can't it? Uh. Uh, <laughs> um Oh, sorry, where was I up to? Oh, that's right, the you beginning. You were born? Uh, so I was, I was born, I had three older sisters, and um, Dad was uh, in La Rundle for most of my early life, um, and so I was brought up by my three older sisters and mum, which was uh, very good, seeing I was born in 1951, so I had a very female-skewed upbringing and yeah. uh, enjoyed the hand-me-downs for a start, and I still swear <laughs> by Bond's Cottontails, by the way. Um, I don't want to care what anybody says, they're still most comfortable. I went to Ripponlea State School, um, then went to Caulfield Tech, um, got kicked out of school at 15, went to the 3AW Radio School um, after doing a couple of other little jobs, um, but mum knew how keen I was to um, get into radio. So I went to the 3AW Radio School and Dennis Gibbons and others uh, were running that and I unfortunately uh, got kicked out of that after a, a very short time because I, the pipes were good, the voice was okay, but I couldn't read. I'm dyslexic yes. um, and that was kind of discovered at that time. So then I went to another radio school um, run by a guy called Clark Sinclair and I was under Clark, metaphorically speaking, for <laughs> a year and uh, went out to a radio station in uh, 2RG Griffith in New South Wales um, for about uh, eight months, was fired from there, then went to 7BU Burnie, 3GL Geelong, 3UZ Melbourne, 3DB, 3UZ, then back to 3DB and joined Channel 7 in 1977 and um, did breakfast on 3AW, funnily enough, uh, for a while, which was quite bizarre. Took about the whole circle coming yeah. around and then... Uh, uh, stayed at Channel 7 for some 44 years um, at, and occasionally, uh, thanks to you, got to, to do a fair bit of radio on 3AW again and um, joined uh, a very uh, long-running relationship with JB Hi-Fi, which uh, has been going for 34 years. And, wow. Um, I've just re-signed for another 10, so that'll make me 82, I think, when I, if that, if it goes for that long. <laughs> but um, so here I am, comfortably retired at uh, 72 years of age and um, with no regrets whatsoever and 
had a fabulous time and the pipes, thank goodness, are still there. Yeah, they, they are. I was going to say, there's, you sound the same age as you, you did when you started doing JB ads. Yeah, and I think um, it's interesting you should say that because you, I've heard, I've been to a few concerts lately of artists who I adored uh, and their voices haven't been all that great. Yes. A few of them have. Uh, Joe Camilleri was sensational, but a few others, which I won't mention, were lacking. And I thought, gee, you know, you, you, you use your voice a lot. And I've always been very careful of my voice. And um, so there you go. Well, you put me on to um, a, a throat lozenge that was recommended to you by Tom Jones, of all people. That's quite right. And, um, yeah, and that's uh, that's been very useful. And, yeah, so, look, you know, I've had a very, very happy time and um, – what more would you like to know? Well, let's go back to you. You mentioned uh, the tech school that you went to, and you said you were kicked out. What what happened yeah. there? Well, again, no, no good on the look, lathe. Uh, no, <laughs> again, it wasn't uh, schooling wasn't my forte because of my dyslexia. Learning was a problem. Johnny was a slow learner. Johnny is slow. Johnny was never diagnosed as as having a dyslexic condition. So therefore, because it wasn't really known about back in those days in the, the late 50s early 60s uh, as it is today um where would we go okay we see what the problem is we will now attack his uh, or, or handle his education with that in mind so it was kind of like well look you know he's a bit dumb um maybe schooling isn't best go and get a job mm. um and poor mum who didn't have much money put me through taylor's business school trying to get me some uh, a certificate, like at least a leaving certificate, and um, I think I'm the only person. And Taylor's was a very expensive place, which kind of helped people like myself to get a certificate. So perhaps could go out into the world with saying I've got a leaving or a matric. Um, and uh, I think I'm the only person to fail Taylor's twice. So oh. <laughs> mum, then, mum then got the age out and said, "Right, let's going to find you a job, son." And um, but mum was absolutely sensational. Um, but even going back to the, the early days when I went to the Royal Melbourne show and saw the ABC caravan operating there and there was a, a table with a hole in the middle and a you know pipe coming up and microphones hanging off it and the uh, announcers would talk and I went home and I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll get uh, um, a drill and uh, drill a hole in the middle of mum's coffee t- uh, dining room table and get a broomstick and um, hang some... Uh, stuff off that and pretend I'm so I did and um uh it, it was uh but you know god bless her mum said it's okay that's fine you know obviously you've got a bent somewhere to do something so she just put a doily over it and um you know put a nice flower arrangement on top of it <laughs> sadly I was 42 at the time but anyway, <laughs> no, no no I was uh da, 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 da. but uh so she always knew that I, I loved announcing and would play announcers in my bedroom and uh yeah yeah, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how what you loved when you were young, if you were able to, to can carry that through, whether it be music, whether it be writing, whatever, it's funny how it ends up by being a pattern for your life, if you're lucky. Well, it, it is. It, I love, you know, like you, I, I love radio and, and media in general. And so for me, and I, I know it's a cliche, uh, but but we all sort of say it, and, and it is true. If you if you fall in love with what you do, it's not actually work. You, you get paid to do your hobby. Yeah, so yeah. true. And I remember mum taking me down to the, because uh, I grew up in East St. Kilda near um, the Channel 
uh, two studios in Elstonwick. And um, when I was at Ripponley State School, mum would take me down to see a show being made down there. And I'd come back and I'd, I'd map out where the cameras were and the, the mic boom and where the talent was. And, um, you know, and I've still got those exercise books now. And I thought, wow, you know, like, it's crazy that that should, you know, have carried on for so many decades through uh, through television and radio. Yeah. Now the the dyslexia, I'm I'm fascinated by because I I don't have it, so I don't understand it as such. My basic understanding of dyslexia when it was first explained to me years ago was if you know if I said to you spell cat or write the word cat, you would write T A C instead of C A T. Is it is is that a very gross oversimplification? of it um it, it no that's probably correct it varies like i don't it's not a very bad dyslexia for me if, if there's grades of one to ten i'm probably on a three yeah but enough for me to having never read as a child uh because it was difficult so therefore there was no encouragement because it wasn't understood if I had, and and that's people say, but hang on, your whole world, your whole life was, your whole career was in reading. Yeah, reading. Scripts. How did you overcome it? Well, the way I overcame it was my first radio station, and back in those days, <laughs> you were given a wad of copy to read in your shift, so there was no, not too many live, uh, pre-recorded commercials, so there was, it was live. So you had to read. So I was forced to read, 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 read. When you're given, you know, like 50 pieces of copy to read every day and you're doing it six days a week, um, you know, you, you get better, hopefully. Yeah. And a bit like maybe a gammy foot or some other injury, I sort of worked through it. And uh, the only time it became a problem was if I was tired and then the brain doesn't quite see the words because it'll you'll see you know one two three and your brain will look at it and you go oh um and you'll write down three two one like you said or two three one or whatever so it uh, it still raises its ugly head if i'm tired but my whole career as i say has been reading and and reading accurately and fast uh like doing the game shows where you know i'd like the sunlang or pewter please uh Bert and uh, like the so-and-so and uh, and also the thing. So you'd have to grab the piece of copy and read them and read them right because, yeah. you know, they didn't want to have to stop tape for idiot announcer and because you, you were not going to be the announcer for long if you were mucking it up. Um, so I worked through it. Now, how did uh, – so you, you went to the radio schools, to uh, Dennis Gibbons one at AW and then Clark Sinclair's one you, you mentioned. Uh, so mm-hmm. so the radio career started and you listed all those stations which made it sound like you were on the run or just simply couldn't hold down a job. <laughs> but, yes, on both counts. <laughs> but how, how, did, um, uh, how did the television world into your life? I was at uh, 3DB doing sort of uh, assistant program director work, and I was about uh, 22, 23. And I was working with um, a guy called Paul uh, Paul Thompson, who was uh, a great friend of mine, and he was the program director there. And uh, I was working 20 hours a week, you know, a, a day, sort of 18 hours a day. It was just so much work. Uh, of the kind of that I wasn't used to, which was just announcing, uh, but taking on everyone else's problems and they'd all come into you and go, oh, this and this. And I would I would be just so sort of overwhelmed as a young boy 
more young man with all this kind of work uh, or these problems coming at me, uh, I felt quite uh, inadequate to do it. And I went on a holiday and I was in Greece, actually, and I had an epiphany uh, that this was not for me and I'm going to go back and resign. So I came back to Australia after my holiday and went into Brendan Sheedy, who was the manager at the time, and said, look, I'm not meant for this and I'm going berserk and I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I'm quitting. He's going, now, hang on. Um, Ted Ball is going back to Perth. Would you like to do 12 to 3 and uh, I'll give you a raise? Oh. Okay. So I ended up buying, instead of working like, you know, 16 hours a day or 12 hours a day, I'm working three hours a day, coming in at 12 noon, going at 3, said, oh, by the way, uh, there's a new program director, Gary Fenton, down at Channel 7 Melbourne, and this is 1977, and uh, they're looking for a new booth announcer. Um, so would you like to come down and meet him? I said, oh, yeah. So Brendan sort of, you know, puffed up his chest and took me by the hand and took me down there and said, look, ta-da, here's John Deeks. He'd be great because 3AW, uh, 3DB and Channel 7, of course, were owned by the Herald. So they were uh, in league together, and that began my career in television. So I was doing going from administration, which was not for me, to working on the radio and working at Channel 7 from 77 until oh, about two years ago. Isn't it? I love the stories like that where... Sliding door moments, mate. Incredible. Exactly, yeah. Just incredible. So, I mean, I owe Brendan Sheedy a massive debt of thanks. Yeah. And there are people who, uh, sadly, you're not one of them, who have been just... <laughs> no, you have, actually. Um, but, you know, people who have who come into your life and you go, wow, thank you. Um, without you, that wouldn't have happened. So then... And you're given the opportunity, like I meant Gary and... and he he and I like to chat. You okay? Oh yes. Sorry, sorry. did you yeah. hear me cough? Then did you? Oh yeah. I just I thought it might have been the Winnie Blues. I don't know. Uh, no, um, no, I, I thought I hit the mute button. That shouldn't have recorded. <laughs> yeah, you think you'd think that sometimes, wouldn't you? But yeah. anyway, um, so but welcome to radio. Uh, so <laughs> edit edit. Anyway, so I, I met Gary Fenton, and and he was fantastic, and an opportunity was given to me. So I was like a kid in a lolly shop. So I would run around to every. The news department, the advertising department, uh, the sports department, uh, and everywhere I'd go, I'd say, can I do anything for anyone? You know, like like a nine-year-old. And uh, they go, oh, uh, all right. And, geez, keen, isn't he? And you, you can't beat enthusiasm. Everybody loves it, especially when you're not after a dollar. Yeah. So you say, look, you know, I want to help. What can I do? I don't want anything for it, but what can I do? And they go, well, yeah. So it was a joyful time. And, I, I mean, I hear others uh, like – Philip and, and well, uh, other who maybe have gone um, past, but who were given the opportunity to work in TV stations back in the day yes. where you could run around to each department and, 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 and really try different things. So I read the news, I did the weather, I did uh, a bit of sport, um, <laughs> I did all these things, and it was a blast. Is there a job that uh, John Deeks has always wanted but uh, it, it never sort of came to pass? Like, no. And not necessarily in, in television or radio, but nah. some, like you, you've never t- wanted to turn your hand nah. to stage performances and nah. you know, movie actor? Nah. You know, get on a motorbike and reprise Solo One or something that you know Paul Cronin once did? No? Nah. No. You've just Isn't been... that cr- – is, how, how lucky am I, truly? I mean, Simon – I've, I hosted a show which I hated doing. 
um, which was um, Family Feud, yes. and um, and and they corralled me into doing it. And I mean, everybody, everybody in television would crawl over broken to get to to host a show, but. I didn't enjoy it because it was so restrictive. Yes. My love was working with the audience, working. And, I mean, I was lucky to work with fabulous talent, um, whether it be beginning with Ian Turpey or um, uh, working with um, Bert on doing the midday show work. Yeah, just ah, – it was just fantastic. Uh, so Andrew O'Keefe, who, you know, very sadly, it, it breaks my heart how Andrew's gone, but he worked with him for 11 years and he was superb to work with. Um, So I've, and uh, my love was working with the Visards and making them look good. And that was what I loved doing. And they loved me because they knew I didn't want their job. Mm. So there wasn't like, I'm standing there with hands on hips going, you know, why am I doing that? Um, I just loved working with the audience and working with people. Simon, I'm a people person, all right? <laughs> Fair enough. I, I accept that. <laughs> so um, basically, mate, I can look back going, nah, <laughs> I did everything I love doing. Um, now, recreationally, what does uh, John Deeks like to do to pass the time? You... None of your business. <laughs> do you, Just, like, do yeah, you those the rumours footy? are completely untrue. <laughs> And I would like now publicly to refute them. I, and, you know, like it was just one time, all right? Yes. And, and there'll be legal action. And Ah, oh, look, you know, one goat. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, you were saying? Oh, no, I was just uh, like, do you like going to the footy or you know, I, I, have look, you still got I your love, boat? Uh, I, I don't have the boat because um, I've moved into the city and... Uh, and it's hard to park in I'm there. Still a, uh, I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still a member of the Sandringham uh, uh, Club. Yep. And love it down there, um, but I like exercise. Basically, I, I still I ride my bike a lot, and uh, I go to the gym every couple of days. And I, you know, I don't like keeping active. But as far as like, do I like do I collect stamps? Do I? I really don't have many hobbies at all. I never really did. TV and radio is my hobby, yeah. and now I do a lot of podcasting, like yourself. And we're able to do it. Um, in our bedroom still, but with equipment that is would cost thousands of dollars at one stage, and everybody with a computer and a camera is a is a producer. Yeah. So, but it's it's what goes on behind. So I'm able to use the skills I've learned over my time, like yourself, using a for instance a road podcaster to mention a brand or or some piece of equipment that enables you to do things that you could have only otherwise have done in studio. So I can do it away. Like all my JB Hi-Fi recordings and other things, as are most of the voiceover talent these days, are done at home in my own home studio, like we're recording now. Mm. So I go into my little home studio and do JB, honey, or whatever it happens to be, and I can do that anywhere in the world as long as I've got Wi-Fi. Because I've got my little microphone and I've got my little preamp, got my computer, that's all I need. Yep. So the freedom – and people say to me, what has been the biggest innovation or change over your time in radio and TV? And there's one word, like it was with the Industrial Revolution, steam power, the one word that has changed everything, Simon, digital. Yeah. That's changed everything, our watches, our phones, our cars, our fridges. Everything has changed. Certainly within the media, it has enabled us to have a great, great much, uh, enables us to have more freedom 
to do things than we ever did in the past. Yeah, I'm recording this on a, a roadcaster that I bought secondhand off Darren James uh, when he upgraded oh, he his. He finally got rid of it, did he? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, go to, go to Owens, he'll buy it. He'll buy anything, <laughs> he's a fool. And, and, uh, and I'm using a, the microphone I'm actually using uh, came out of a box uh, of tapes that uh, that I got from Darren Hinch. So this is yeah, Darren Hinch's well, microphone from the two, 1980s. He uh, about two stories up from me, actually. Is that right? And, yeah, he, he's up there and he's about to have his 80th birthday and... Uh, yeah, so uh, now I see Darren quite a lot, actually. and uh, Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, lovely. Um, yeah. Now, let's get into some favourites, given that's sort of the, the point of this whole exercise. Uh, I'm only up to 1974. <laughs> we'll have to do a sequel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Now, I, the way this works, John, I've got uh, 50 things here uh, that are just on a piece of paper, and I close my eyes and I point at one, and then I ask you, uh, your favourite flower or plant? Oh, what a weak one to start with. Um, well, I'd look, I love a rose. Yeah? Any colour? I love or? the way... Red. Red. I, I, lo- I love roses, um, so I guess a, a rose would be it, and um, I've got actually one between my teeth as I speak. <laughs> yes, I, I thought you sounded I'll be bit. down there shortly. <laughs> uh, favourite moment this year? Oh, favourite moment this year. Probably I, I uh, volunteer on a radio station called Joy, a community radio station, and um, I was able to do – I was filling in doing breakfast – and I was there on their 30th anniversary, and I thought, gee, this is pretty cool. Here I am doing the, the 30th anniversary of a radio station, community radio station, and I felt very proud. I mean, it was no big deal to anybody else, but to me, um, I, I felt that was, uh, that was quite a thing. Yeah, no, that's lovely. Uh, favourite song? Oh, favourite song. Well, oh, I suppose... I can't go past Kesarasara, really, or uh, uh, Deadwood no, Stage. N- Deadwood Stage is coming around the. Track. Okay, so Doris Day, not not Normie Row. Uh, <laughs> oh, bless Normie! No, look, I, I mean, I oh, gee, a favourite song. I've got uh, quite a few uh, songs I really, really do love, and um, "Sensual World" by Kate Bush is a song I adore. It's just very, it flows beautifully, but. There's many songs, mate. Many, many songs. Yeah, lovely. Uh, Favourite hot drink? Coffee. Yeah, it's a pretty dumb question, isn't it? Because there aren't that many well, hot drinks. Well, no, it's a bit... No, no, no. There's cocoa and there's tea. Yeah, no, no, there's quite I suppose. a few hot drinks. Saki. Uh, when, um, when, you, when you're trying to come up with 50 things you can have favourites in, some of the questions get pretty lame, I readily admit. No, that's not lame at all. I, I love coffee, but it's got to be good coffee. Not that I was talking to some kids the other day and telling them about the uh, about the cafe bar coffee we used to have. Oh. <laughs> Now, uh, that lovely international roast. Oh, that's, um, that's the one I was going to mention in the white tin. Mama, and uh, roast. hey, baby, we live in Melbourne, you know. <laughs> it's got to be good. If it's going to be poisoning me, I want to be good poison. Exactly. Uh, Favourite author? Well, um, at the moment I'm reading a fabulous book by – I love autobiographies mm-hmm. and Mel Brooks is one I'm reading at the moment. Oh, and yeah. um, I do love the Mel Brooks uh, story all about me um, because I thought, oh, it's about me. And it's actually <laughs> about him. Um, but no, I'd look, I like anything biography. I don't have a, an author that I would say, oh, great, I can't wait for Bryce Courtney's new book to come out or whatever. Uh, but I, I float around, but I do like a, an autobiography. 
Lovely. Uh, favourite board game? Hate them. Pardon? Hate board games. Oh, okay. Not Don't a... like board games. No, I can't bear it. It's so boring. Yeah? Yeah, bar humbug to that. <laughs> no, fair enough. Uh, favourite smell? <laughs> um, Probably cut grass is gorgeous. Are you all right? Yeah, you okay? just coughing again. Yeah, I've got oh, to, I've got to fix that mute button. <laughs> oh, did I, I think it's, thank God, this is pre-recorded uh, at a distance. I think it got TB. Anyway, <laughs> love to all. I would say cut grass is uh, is a favourite smell of mine. You've got to love that. And also, being a man of the sea, I do love the ozone of a hot summer's morning on the water with mm. the ozone of a smell of the sea. That's Pretty darn good. Oh yes, yeah, because you you do love your time on the water. Yes, oh, I do. It's it's very relaxing and um, uh, yeah. You know, some people love the country and I can sort of love going bushwalking. But gee, you know, I love the sea. Mike Brady put out an album called The Mistress, and the the title track oh, from it, The Mistress, yes. is a wonderful song. About, it's not Mistress in the the, the sense yeah, one yeah. would imagine. The Mistress no, no, is no. his att- his attachment, his love for the sea and sailing. That's right. That's and it right. Is, it yeah. is the most stunning song. It's uh, Mistress is the sea. Yeah, no, yeah. it's very true. Very true. Uh, favorite clothing item. Um. Oh look. Being a Melbourne boy, I'm always in shorts. Um, I was, I love shorts and, uh, and a t-shirt. I did notice that you always had the legs out on. Uh, when yeah, you're... well, you know, Simon, if you've got them, baby, yeah. flaunt them. Yeah, incredible calves. Well done. Um, Favorite TV show which is no longer in production? Uh, probably Jet Jackson and the Flying Commando. Oh, I don't know that one. Jet Jackson. Um, yeah, I used to love watching Jet Jackson as a kid. Um, with Ichabod Mudd with two Ds, who was his sidekick. Mm. Um, yeah, so there you go, Jet Jackson and Ichabod Mudd. Uh, so that goes way back because uh, when I was, you know, I mean, I was born in 51, so TV came in in 56. And um, so, yeah, that's what I kind of loved. And the Mickey Mouse Club was fabulous. Yes. Loved that. Yeah, loved so that. I guess some of the real old ones. Who's the leader of? Yeah, anyway. Yep. <laughs> uh, favorite shop. Favorite what? Shop. Uh, favorite shock. No shop. Sh- oh, With favorite a... shop. <laughs> favorite shop. Um, probably bras and things. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, we're still on the air. Oh uh, no, favorite shop. Gee, I tell you what. Uh, I guess. Do, can I mention a name? Bunnings. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Bunnings would be my favourite because are you a there's always man, are you? so much stuff there. Well, there's so much stuff there I don't need. I was buying, yeah, yeah, and it's just great. But if if you had to say my favourite, I'd have to say JB Hi-Fi. Oh, of course. Oh, thank God. Without Please put that doubt. in as a saver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is yeah. wonderful, uh, yeah. Dixie. It's it's been lovely to chat to you. Great to have you on favourites. Is is there anything we haven't covered that you feel we should? What what oh, have I missed in my well, interrogation I'm, of you? Look, I don't think there is really, but because um, it's it's such a fascinating story, and uh, <laughs> I just like to know that you know, I just like you to know that I'm still the humble person. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's good fun, mate, and uh, I know I say this ad nauseum to you, and um, and. I just want to repeat it that thank you so much indeed for bringing me back into the 3AW fold when you did. I had an absolute blast and um, uh, it, it 
you know, reinforced to me that I, you know, I could still get on the bike and we'll still get on the horse and, and give it a ride. So thank you again. No, well, you much loved and much missed, and it was uh, it was great to have you there for that uh, that period of time. It was wonderful. So uh, thanks for having me on the show, Matt. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. That was John Deeks.